What's up guys, Jeff Cavalier, AthleteX.com. So today I'm gonna to cover an exercise that I've been asked about for a long, long period of time, and that is the rack pull. And I'm gonna hold off on actually defining where you're pulling from because I do think it makes a big difference, right? And we talk about the risk and reward of an exercise, or at least I do, because I, I believe that I bring a, a unique perspective to any exercise when I look at it, and that's because I have both the strength coach background in physical therapy. And I have to kind of wear both hats. It's very impossible for me to separate the two to evaluate the value of an exercise. And when it comes to the rack pull, it's a controversial exercise. Some people don't think that has any merit. Some people think it's a great exercise. And they will actually argue both ways. I think if we look at it from a different perspective, though, it might open up your mind and change maybe the way you're viewing it. So when I talked about the risk and reward, I think you, again, have to define what it is we're talking about. Are we talking about the exercise that's done above the level of the knee here by a few inches or even, me, even more, I've seen it done mid-thigh, where we're loading up hundreds and hundreds of pounds on this exercise and really trying to pull as much as possible with either the idea of building strength or using it for hypertrophy, uh, particularly of the traps. Is that, is that the goal? Or is it done alternatively with a lot less weight, much lower, either at the knee or slightly below the knee, with the purpose of it being maybe an accessory movement to a much bigger, more notable lift, like the deadlift. And if it's the latter, then I'm all on board here, guys. Because I've actually programmed the exercise as an accessory movement for the deadlift. Because what it does is, it allows us to work on the area that I believe a lot of times people don't finish. They don't finish the exercise, they don't do the terminal range of motion through full hip extension, and that's a big miss if you, if you don't do that. But more notably, it's a hip hinge exercise. It gives us a chance to work a hip hinge, particularly if somebody has a difficulty pulling from the floor. Maybe they have some biomechanical deficits that don't allow them to pull from the floor just yet. It doesn't mean that you wouldn't want to train them on a hinge. And this is a way that we could do that. But a lot of times we're not doing the exercise that way. We're doing it to load up the exercise. And there is where the risks come in. And that's what I want to show you guys what I believe is a bit of a problem with the exercise. Because we know that the easiest part of the lift is that that end of the lift, right? Once we get past pulling from the floor, the amount of weight that somebody can handle on this exercise is enormous. That's why you see people load up tremendous amounts of weight there. But that's also a problem because you're handling weight that you likely couldn't have gotten in that position any other way. If you didn't have the rack here to set the weight up at that height and to be able to pull your two or three inch range of motion, you probably wouldn't have been able to pull it in the first place. You certainly wouldn't have been able to pull it from the floor. So what happens there is you're subjecting your body to forces that they probably aren't equipped to handle, and therefore it's taking the brunt of it in a way that you're probably not even aware that's happening. And that is right here, guys. And you know, again, I bring the physical therapist side to it because I have to. I've actually seen this happen before to many people. Well, we're talking about this area right here. This is a thoracic outlet. And this is actually kind of an injury that's on the rise of late. And I don't know if it's because there's more recognition here or if it's because more people are trying to do these things and attempt these things with repercussions. The thoracic outlet is dealing with the nerves and arteries and veins that run from the neck down through your skeleton, out towards your arm and down your arm. And notably, we're talking about, when we talk about the nerves, we're talking about the brachial plexus, which is this big, thick, yellow nerve bundle here. And it's positioning in terms that it runs through the muscles of the neck, and then most importantly, it runs down under the clavicle, under the pecs, and then out towards your arm, and then it runs all the way down your arm to feed your arm and innervate your arm. What happens is a couple things. Number one, we also have vessels here, the subclavian artery and the subclavian vein, that both run under here as well, and they can also be equally impacted. So why is this a problem? 
Well, when you're handling weight that you actually can't really comfortably handle, you get a lot of stress on the skeleton in both a distraction downward on the arms and also through this tilting upwards and downwards of the scapula. And you have to understand that, guys, the clavicle, which is the area that's really going to impact these nerves and, and, and vessels, is attached to the shoulder blade via its connection at the AC joint. You can see that right here. So if the shoulder blades are either really protracting around the body here, or more importantly, up and down, up and down as they would when you're handling a whole ton of weight that you really can't manage, then we have a problem because what that's doing is it's actually causing, you can see, the clavicle to come up and then down. And when it comes down, you're getting more of a pinch here of the clavicle like this, down on those three structures. You don't want that. Okay, that's placing an enormous amount of stress on the nerves that's going to give you some of the symptoms down the arm or some of the pain that you could feel here in the sternum or some of that uh, tingling sensation that you can get down the arm or that numbness that you can get down the arm, even through the pinky here. You have a problem with that. The next thing is the traction element as well. If these nerves start up here and they run all the way down through the arm, what would happen if I took this arm and I brought it down even further in relation to the skeleton from here down, down, right? We're taking these nerves and we're stretching them. And all of that traction, while it may be the main benefit of the exercise in terms of its trap development, is causing that side effect, that repercussion of excessive strain on those nerves heading down to your arm. And the thing about thoracic outlet is it doesn't really happen like that. It happens over time, repetition after repetition. And when it does happen, guys, it's one of those things that you don't even necessarily know how to identify it because you feel it in a whole bunch of different areas, sometimes just a few shoulder pain. And you think you did something to your shoulder when it has nothing to do with your shoulder. It's the, it's the, the related nerve pain that happens from the compression that's happening here underneath the clavicle. So if you were to lessen the weight and handle something you actually could, you'd actually be able to keep your shoulder blades in a much better position. You can see Jesse demonstrating both versions here. With his shoulder blades held in a better position here, retracted, as you would when you're doing the deadlift. Guys, if you're not staying tight on the deadlift, if you're letting your shoulders round, you're going to do the exercise poorly. You can get away with it on the rack pull done above the knee. You can't get away with it on a deadlift. It's going to probably show itself up in other areas too, like the thoracic spine and then down the lower back. But you can't get away with that here. And the thing is that if Jesse keeps himself back, we're okay. But in order to keep himself back, he's going to kind of have to cut his ego down a bit and lower the weight. But if you're just going to stack up the weight, 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 and move in a couple inch range of motion because you can handle that weight in that range of motion, what are those side effects? And look at the positioning here of the scapula. They're being protracted. They're being lifted and, and thrown forward. They're pretty much reenacting the job of what a tight pec minor would do, which we know is another cause of thoracic outlet. So guys, I think we have to sometimes look a little bit deeper. Again, you have to evaluate for yourself whether or not there is a value for you in this exercise. If you don't have to worry about anything done overhead, if you don't really have to care about the function of your arm or whether it's numb or not, you probably go ahead and load up the weights and try to build your traps that way. But I think there's other options for you to do that wouldn't subject you to those uh, things. As a matter of fact, maybe just working on progressively increasing your deadlift is the best way for you to actually get to the end point of what it is you're trying to do. You'll build your traps, you'll build your overall strength, you'll build more function, you'll be pulling from the ground. It's an overall better option. So guys, I hope you found this video helpful. If you're looking for programs where we do have to evaluate what we do, because it all matters, right? We look at both sides of this because it all matters. They're all over at athletics.com. We put the science back in strength. In the meantime, if you haven't already done so, please subscribe and turn on your notifications so you never miss a video when we put one out. All right, guys. See you soon.